Is data analytics the missing piece to gaining a 360-degree view of plans? And how can this help to inform plans and impact spend and the health of employees? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and deliver stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with David Snow. David is chairman and CEO of Cedargate Technologies. We've had a number of guests talking about data but David has taken data to a whole other level, and we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about why there are some new things in the marketplace that you need to know about so that you can advise your clients appropriately. And with that, welcome, David. Thanks, David. I'm glad to be here. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with our audience. Now, one of the things that I found intriguing when we spoke offline was that you define yourself as a healthcare junkie, and I thought, well, you know, a lot of us are. But your background is is interesting because I think it informs what we're going to be talking about. Would you share some of that with the audience, please? Sure. Well, I've, I've been professionally in healthcare for 40 years. I grew up in a family of doctors. And after graduate school, I ran hospitals. Then I went to the dark side from a physician perspective and ran health plans for 20 years. And then I ran a PBM, Medco Health Solution, which is a Fortune 50 company. I was chairman and CEO for another nine years. And after selling Medco to Express Scripts, I then decided it was time to create a big data healthcare analytics company. So, you know, it's pretty diverse in the healthcare space. And we talk a lot, as I said in the open, about data. Is data ultimately the the key that's going to make all the other puzzle pieces fall into place? Yeah, I think I think data that's transferred into higher levels of intelligence is the key to success because without it, people don't understand in a patient-centric way what's happening and how how to to make it better. And there's not a really well-built-in feedback loop in terms of how to improve performance. So I think, you know, really well-structured data that's turned into powerful information is is key to us solving our healthcare problem in this country. But data is just one half of the pie, right? I mean, we, we talk about data as, okay, I can look at my claims and I can see how they aggregate out over certain specific populations and those things. But the holy grail has been how to make that data actionable. And that's, isn't that the role of analytics? That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And And there's multiple levels of analytics, right? So, Many people focus on the patient, you know, using analytics to drive the patient to do the right thing in their own healthcare. And I think that's a very important and powerful thing. But another dimension that I think is often missed when you talk about analytics, and I consider it a higher level analytic, when you look 
at the delivery system end-to-end around a clinical pathway. And you understand how that delivery system differs in the way it delivers care. You can learn a lot on high numbers in terms of what drives best outcomes at lowest cost at an enterprise level. You know, so at that level, when you make changes, it's structural and it's sustainable. So you can keep getting better and better over time. When you're chasing individual patients, you're not making structural change. So you're not really fixing the system. You know, you're just trying to, you know, help each, every patient as they, you know, get off a pathway. They don't do the right thing, but you're not making a structural change that makes the system better financially or clinically. So there's many ways to look at analytics, and I think they're all important. And together... On, on one platform, I think that's Nirvana. That's, that's a very powerful approach. It's a data pool with powerful analytics at the individual patient level, driving quality scores, driving gap in care closures, and also looking at the delivery system at a higher level. Can you give us an example of how that might look or how that might be significant at a plan level? Sure. I mean, when you so let, let's take a clinical pathway like total knee replacement. There's always a bell curve of performance relative to the delivery system, whether it be the hospital system, the physician system, the post-acute system. There's a bell curve of performance always risk-adjusted. So you risk-adjust, you take out the effects of acuity, comorbidity, that sort of thing. You still see huge variation in the clinical and financial outcomes at a patient level. And you often find there's a delivery system that's absolutely best in class. And when you look at the data in a granular way, you can understand why that system's best in class. And it's a huge way to teach and improve the rest. When you're, you're at the health system level, it's also a way to create high-performance networks when you're at a payer level. So is this the front door or maybe a map towards creating something we're talking a lot about, like bundled pricing or reference-based pricing? Yeah, I think, you know, when I was running health plans, I would use this higher level analytic to determine who I approach for a bundled contract to drive volume to. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to offer this price because you're an orthopedic surgeon who does total knees. And everyone's welcome to do it, but here's the bundle, here's the price. The challenge is there are certain delivery systems who cost two times that amount, and it's largely because they have a lot of avoidable complications, they have a lot of readmissions, and they're still going to have them at a lower price, but you're not, you're not looking at the clinical aspects. I would, with this in kind of powerful information, pick the best in breed performers, and I'd contract with them. And I'd pay them more, you know, because they're doing better than the mean performance of the group. So they're happy. They're getting rewarded for their outstanding performance. And I'm driving my volume from the right side of the bell curve in that clinical pathway to them. And it's working very well clinically and financially for me. And I think that's how win-win situations are created. And I also think that's how you reward the delivery system for outstanding performance. Because right now, the delivery system plays everybody the same way, regardless of their, their expertise or their performance. And I, I think over time, that's a little annoying if you're an outstanding physician or an outstanding delivery system. 
at a patient level, will will this start maybe shining a light on the weird inverse relationship in healthcare between cost and price? I mean, in a lot of things, consumers' general mindset is that if I pay more for something, I'm getting better quality, but that's not often the case in healthcare. Will uh, delve further into data and data becoming and analytics becoming more pervasive start to change that? Yeah, here's how I think about this. The mistake would be you pay higher unit price, you know, piecemeal rates to a doctor or to a hospital and thinking you're getting better care. That's the wrong way to think about it. I'd rather pay a physician two times what I pay standardly if that individual has a guaranteed outcome that is efficient, no no readmissions, no avoidable complications. So the unit price could be higher for, for better performing docs, but the end-to-end clinical pathway all in around that patient, around that disease from a trigger point start and a trigger point finish is going to be lower, even if you're paying a unit cost higher to the leader, which is the lead physician in this case, in this example, is an orthopod doing total knees, what you really care about is the N10 cost. And the physician in charge is, is basically, you know, the captain of the ship here. And when they manage this incredibly well, you may want to pay them more. Right now, payers, for the most part, pay all orthopods the same price for a total knee. But there's huge variation in end-to-end cost, which the patients even don't pay attention to. There's no way for them to know what the end-to-end cost is for a total knee unless they're in a bundled program. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. And, you know, we've talked around this a little bit, certainly not in this depth, but at the end of the day, how does this become a, a practical norm where it affects both plans and consumers and they understand how to use the data on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's happening now. And I think the real catalyst that's driving this is the move to value-based care away from fee-for-service. You know, the rewards for volume built into fee-for-service are now being exchanged for rewards around overall performance. You know, it's, it's fee-for-value. And, you know, there's a learning curve. I mean, it's, there's an enormous learning curve, and the incentives are very different in fee-for-service versus value-based care. And I'm, I'm seeing it with the customers we serve today. Their learning curve is steep, but each and every year they're getting better and better in understanding the correlation between high-quality care and cost and what they need to do to become better and better at what they do each and every year. And to me, that's exciting because now they've got visibility. You know, back in the 80s when I was running health plans, we used to capitate doctors but we never had the analytic tools to give them visibility into what was going on. So it was like asking a doctor to take risk. You know, the analogy would be asking a doctor to fly an airplane with a pillowcase on their head. They had no visibility. You know, things would hit them in terms of cost from all different angles. They had no idea until they saw the bill after it was too late to do anything. And I think the promise of powerful analytics is to give visibility 360-degree visibility around a patient and around a process so that you can do incremental improvements year over year over year. And that's what our healthcare system really needs. And now, a word from our sponsor. 
Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years' experience working with healthcare and benefit clients, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. If it's starting to take hold, what in what markets are you starting to see the the take up and the understanding and and the application of this? You know, I think it's happening nationwide. I think California is a little bit more advanced in terms of experience around risk based reimbursement. But I would I would actually tell you that the real driver, believe it or not, is at the line of business level, not at the geographic region level. And the line of business that's the real catalyst here is Medicare. Government Medicare, ever since they started experimenting with various forms of value-based reimbursement, whether it be bundles, whether it be shared savings, MSSP, track one, you know, Medicare has MSSP track one. They have MSSP Track 1 Plus, they have MSSP Track 2 and 3, they have NextGen, they have the bundles programs. They're trying to create a continuum of risk-reward that as the providers get better at what they do, they're willing to take more risk. So they're moving them along a continuum. And it's, it's very exciting to watch. And what's now happening is the commercial carriers are following suit, but they're actually from my point of view anyway, they're actually behind Medicare. Medicare is leading this value-based movement and more and more are participating every year. It's growing. The experiences are growing. You know, you have providers now who can talk about things in a risk-based world like actuarial services and underwriting and, you know, population health. In a way, five years ago, they couldn't talk about these things. They didn't understand these things. They didn't even think that way. And that change is happening now, and it's across the country. So to delve a little bit deeper, what role do actuaries and underwriters have to play in this process? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure in some of your other podcasts, you've talked about predictive analytics versus prescriptive analytics versus historic reporting, right? If you want to be prescriptive or predictive, you have to predict future outcomes, financial and clinical. The financial outcomes looking forward based upon actions you do today are fall under the science of actuarial and underwriting. You have to, you know, look at what you're doing today and predict what that will mean financially in the future. That's in, in, in insurance world, that's how you set premiums. When you're making changes to the system or making changes in the way you manage individual patients, 
there's an actuarial consequence to your future cost. And if you want to give visibility to those who are making those changes today for what's going to it's going to look like tomorrow, that's where underwriting and actuarial services fit in in your analytics. But there's been a lot of talk about predictive modeling and it, and people have been chasing better R squares for a long time. And when I was at Humana a number of years ago, they were doing some interesting things. Is is data and analytics the other side of the coin of predictive modeling? How does one play into and against the other? Well, data is always at the base of the pyramid. You know, you you, you talk about data pools. You have to have data to do analytics. So, you know, my view is you always start with a robust data pool that's member-centric so that you can understand and roll up and draw conclusions about the system. But what has to happen is once you, you know, if you look at IBM as an example, they bought a number of companies to create an enormous data pool. And then they put Watson on top, which is, you know, the analytic brain that sucks up information from the data pool and turns it into powerful information that you can react to, that you can execute on and, you know, take action on. You know, that's what I'm involved with now. I I get payer data, roll it up into my analytic engine, and create actionable insights that allow my customers to drive down medical loss ratio. And medical loss ratio is the number one driver of success in a value-based world. So what kind of opportunity is out there in a dollar and cents kind of a way for both at, both at the plan level and, and at a macro and a, and a larger level? You know, when we, you look at enterprise level analytics, which is what my company does, very consistently for a Medicare population, we are finding between 15 and 20% of total medical costs in terms of opportunities for savings. So on a billion dollars flowing through our analytics, we're typically finding 150 million to 200 million in savings opportunity. And our clients are executing on that today. For a commercial and a Medicaid population, we're typically finding 10 to 15%. So on a billion dollars, it's 100 million to 150 million in opportunity, which is pretty meaningful. Is this currently applicable largely to large self-funded employers, or are there other markets where this is starting to take hold? So I would tell you that the self-insured employer is going to is the last one to execute on the enterprise level analytics. The two primary groups who are executing on this level of analytic today are hospital-based IDNs and payers. We do have self-insured employers who are big enough and have enough geographic concentration that are looking at our type of analytics. But many of them, even the big Fortune 500 companies, have their population so widely dispersed, they don't have enough N in a a geographic area to create scientific validity in enterprise performance. But the self-insured employers are spending a lot of time doing things that incent improvements to quality scores and also gap in care analytics at their individual employee and family level, right? So there, again, there are those three levels of analytics. The enterprise level analytics are primarily being executed on now by ACOs, IDNs, and payers. So at at what point and how does this start trickling down into the vast majority of plans, which are 
smaller plans and today a lot more interest in partially self-funded plans and and carriers as we know them today assuming that they continue to exist there's a sentinel effect so if you're a carrier even though you're self-insured as united healthcare or aetna or cigna they're all doing things at all three levels of analytics that we've talked about and you know Providers don't behave differently tied to the type of insurance that's out there. As they learn a better way to do things, they do it for all. You know, there's a, there's a really large sentinel effect that happens that floats all boats. It helps everybody. And, you know, again, it's in process now. It's not going to be a big revolutionary change. It's an evolutionary change tied to a fairly steep learning curve, but, you know, you can see it happening, you can see the interest growing, and you can see the volume of execution now really taking off in terms of improving the way the efficiencies from a financial and clinical point of view within systems. That will influence the self-insured employer. They're going to be a beneficiary of these activities by both the provider community as well as the payer community. A great, hopeful place to end our interview. David Snow, Chairman and CEO of Cedargate Technologies. David, we hope you'll come back as this field expands. I'd love to do that, David, and thanks for asking me to do this. Thank you much. Take care. The Shift Shapers Podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltsmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Shift Shapers to work in your business. Music